Amen. You may be seated. Good morning, everyone. Here we are, our first Sunday of 2018. It's like, you know, you kind of know what's coming. You, you wait for it. You expect it. And then it comes whether you're ready or not. So here we are. We're in 2018, and it's fantastic to gather with you here this morning. It's a bright, sunny, beautiful January day. And if you think it's cold here, there are places on the planet that are much worse. So... We got it good. We've got it good. And so far, there's nothing out there to shovel here in the city, so that's pretty awesome. Although I confess, I do like snow. I even like driving in the snow. There's, 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 uh, there's actually imprints in the dash of my vehicle, I think, from my wife with me driving in the snow. So it's just kind of my spirit of adventure. Well, here we go. First message of 2018 here at Faith Tabernacle Church. And I'm excited because the series that we're going to tackle something here rather impressive in some ways because it's a huge, huge topic. And so I'm going to, as we undertake to do this, I'm going to ask that you journey with me. We're beginning a four-week series on the topic of prayer. Now, prayer is a huge, huge topic. I do not profess to be an expert in, in this field. I do pray but I know I've got so much to learn in it. But I believe this is where God would have us go as we begin this year together um, as, a, as a church family, as a faith community, that we, uh, we begin and even begin to explore this huge topic of prayer. And maybe the, the, this Sunday, today, this message, I'm endeavoring to maybe lay a bit of a foundation or at least begin to, to explore this idea of prayer and maybe Put a few questions in your mind, and questions are okay. God can answer questions. Maybe challenge maybe some of the things that we actually think about prayer, and just to lay a foundation for that. And I'm, I'm looking forward to actually getting into to where that goes and, and how that looks as we continue to do that. Um, there's some we've got some great things planned for this month in this series. So so bear with me as we continue and and, and we we look into that. Now, it's, for me, it's kind of funny in in Christian circles in church circles. Uh, I find that prayer is a lot like exercise or eating healthy. Okay, it's, it's one of those things that, that we know we should do, we talk about doing, and we, you know, we talk a lot about how to do, but in, it's kind of like, like I say, exercise and eating healthy. We, we tend to find ourselves that we don't maybe do it as much as we know we should. It doesn't become that lifestyle that we sometimes want it to be. You know, we even look at those who do it regularly, those who pray regularly. We look at them as, as, as like an elite group of people that we wish we could be, but we're not. You know, it's like it, with these healthy exercise buffs as well. And even like exercise or eating healthy, sometimes we're willing to live a little lower in health or lower in it than we would maybe like to because of the discipline and the work and, and the commitment required to make it actually happen. I mean, how many people, this is not a place to show hands, okay, like this is, this is hypothetical, but think about how many people, like gym memberships and, and all those things, January, those are busting, you know, New Year's resolutions and every, the gym is crowded, and then you get into February and you notice that the equipment no longer is being used because there's nobody there to use it. Sometimes I think we, we kind of get that. Now, I'm not saying that we have to become like, there's a, a, one of the, the church reformers, John Wesley, the stories about him, one of the things that's described, he would get up at like four o'clock in the morning and pray for hours before his day would start. Like, like he was just so, and I'm not saying that, that we need to necessarily 
go there, but I think we should explore this idea. The, the joke that I always say that it's like, if you get up at four o'clock and you pray, you have to leave a voicemail because even God's not up at that time in the morning. But, but I know that is a joke. Okay, that's just a joke. If you are an early riser and you pray, you're probably on to something. Keep up the good work and add me to your prayer list because, I mean, that's fantastic. If we get up early to me, so that is a joke. Okay, some of you laughed. It's okay. All jokes aside, though, Prayer is an incredibly important part of who we are as believers, who we are as Christians. It's, it, it's, it affects our relationship with God. It's communication. I mean, we know any relationship is affected by communication. It's, it's essential to our spiritual vitality, like it adds fuel to our tank. It's commanded by Scripture. It releases the resources of heaven in our present reality. It changes us, even sometimes when it doesn't change our circumstances. I love how the Apostle Paul, when he's, he's writing to the church in Thessalonica, and he says this in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 16. And I'm going to be jumping all over the place in the scriptures today. And so if you want to jot down notes and you know, kind of refer back to it, if you don't have time to grab it while I'm preaching, just to make sure that I am, in fact, reading out of the Bible, it's good to keep that in check, right? Don't take my word for it. 1 Thessalonians chapter, six, verse, or five, chapter 5, verse 16 says, Be joyful, I always... Be joyful always. That's a great commandment right there. Be joyful always. Then he says, pray continually. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So any of you out there that are like, I just want to know what God's will is for my life. Okay, here we go. Be joyful always. Pray continually and give thanks in all circumstances. Wow, that's quite a list right there. If we could, if we could do that, we'd have it pretty well made, wouldn't we? There's a, there's a collection of Jesus' teachings recorded in Matthew. It's commonly called the Sermon on the Mount. And you guys, if you're from a church background, you probably have heard this idea of the Sermon on the Mount. But in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus has been teaching this group, this crowd that's come to him. And as he begins to teach them in Matthew chapter 6, verses 5, verses 6, and verses 7, he's teaching on prayer. And each of those verses starts with the words, When you pray... And then he continues it on, and he begins to describe certain things. He says, when you pray. It's not if you pray. He's saying, when you pray. There's an expectation as Jesus is teaching them. It's almost a foregone conclusion. Like, he's making an assumption here. And he's saying, you know, when you pray, this is how you should pray. So he goes on to teach them that. And we're going to get into a lot more of that when we next week. I'm going to start... I'm excited about this. It's like, I don't know how I'm going to get it all done in one message. I might not. I may have to take two or three. But I want to tear apart... The, when Jesus taught his disciples to pray, the Lord's Prayer, and just there's so much in that that we can pull out of it. So there, there's a reason to come back next week. It's not just the worship. There's going to be a great message too. So again, Paul, writing to the church in Philippi, he says, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, everything, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God, and the peace of God which transcends all understanding will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. But in everything, by prayer and petition, in everything, every circumstance, every situation, prayer, prayer. I mean, when you think about that peace that passes understanding, and when you think of that, that we live in a world that could use a little more peace. I mean, I could use a bit more of that. And when it comes to every situation, they're not all good situations. There's great situations and there's not so good situations. But in all circumstances, we pour our hearts out to God with thanksgiving. 
And it makes a difference in us, even before it does in the situation. I mean, it is the name above every name, Jesus. When we think about that, it's like we can come and we pray in the name of Jesus. And you're like, okay, yeah. But, but think about that for a second. The name that is above every other name, every, other, every circumstance, every power, every principality, every government leader, every superstar, the name that is above all that is the name of Jesus. And it's not a formula that you can kind of just plug into, but Jesus is our source. He's like that, that key that unlocks the resources of heaven. John chapter 14, Jesus, is, he's, he's got his nearest and dearest. He's got the 12 with him, and he's, and, and he's teaching whoever's gathered there. And He says this to them in John chapter 14, verse 12. He says, I tell you the truth. Anyone who has faith in me will do what I've been doing. He will do even greater things than these because I am going to the Father. Wow. Okay. Greater things than Jesus. I mean, even that, like, that would take forever just even to try to explore that. And then he goes on from there. Okay, so he says, you'll do the things that I've been doing, right? Even greater things you will do. And then he says this. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, the name of Jesus, so that the Son May, be, may bring glory to the Father, and you may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. Say what? P- pardon? Any, you, anything? Right? Jesus has just told them, you, you ask in my name, and I will do anything. So is that kind of like some sort of a spiritual blank check? I mean, does God answer every prayer that we pray? Does God do everything that we ask him to do? Does Jesus answer every time? I mean, think about that for a second. If God answered every prayer of every person, we would be in an absolute mess. I'm actually, I'm actually a little bit thankful that God doesn't answer every question, or, you know, like, or even every prayer. I mean, think about the weather. I mean, the weather would be all messed up because you'd have students praying that it would snow so that school would be canceled. You'd have, you know, it would be a little bit colder here than somewhere else. So we would praying that it would be warm, warm up a little bit. And we'd be in an absolute drought every time somebody went on vacation because they're praying for sunshine and warm weather the whole time that they're on vacation. Right? The, the weather would be an absolute mess. <laughs> hey, no, this, we got great weather. <laughs> Think about it. If, if God answered every prayer... Some people would live forever. Other people would be struck by lightning. I happen to be thankful that God does not answer every prayer because I probably would not be around if he did, okay? Just saying. I mean, context is so important. I mean, we have to understand that tacking on the name of Jesus to every thought or request that we have does not make it an automatic yes, And this is where it gets a little bit more interesting. The writer of James says this. James is is writing to the church there. And James, in chapter 4, verse 2, he says, James gets up in our face and he says, You do not have because you do not ask God. And the next verse he says, When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with the wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your own pleasures. I have a love-hate relationship with the book of James. 
I mean, I love to apply it to others, and I hate it when I realize that he was talking to me. I mean, the book of James, he's like, he's my kind of guy. He really cuts to the chase. And it's obvious from this that God doesn't give us everything we ask for. He knows our motives. He sees the bigger picture. And God, in his sovereignty, has to kind of filter or or have some way that he can look at these things and know what to answer, what not to answer. And even with us, he gives us guidance and wisdom to know how to pray, that we can approach it in a way that honors God and brings the big picture into account. Prayer isn't convincing God to do something that he hasn't thought of yet. Yeah. It's more about alignment. Prayer is a way that we can connect with the heart of God and receive direction for for when we make our requests. The heart of God is available to us, and part of prayers, as we get closer to God, as we open up those lines of communication with God, it becomes this two-way communication where we receive the heart of God and we begin to align ourselves in prayer with what God's already doing. And you see, that's, that is, for the lack of the formula, because we don't like, you know, God doesn't work with formulas, but when we can align ourselves with God, we can get into that place where we can make requests. And I love it that he doesn't leave us alone in that. It's like, because this could start to sound like, well, how does this work? This, sound, this is starting to sound a little complicated here. We look in Paul, he's writing to the, the church in Rome. And he says to them in Romans chapter 8, and he's talking about prayer and, and, and this idea of aligning our, our intentions with God. And he says this, in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. I'm glad it says that, because there are times when I... When I am prayer, when I'm in prayer, when I'm trying to pray through a situation, I'm experiencing some sign of, out of a crisis. And as a pastor, maybe maybe it's a crisis that, that someone else is experiencing, and I'm in the midst of that. And I'm like, God, how do I pray in this situation? God, what do I say in that situation? And in the same way, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit Himself intercedes for us with groans and words that words cannot express. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for the saints in accordance with God's will. How cool is that? We've got the Holy Spirit within us and acting and interceding on our behalf that even when we don't know how to pray, as we, as we open ourselves up to the leading of the Holy Spirit and allowing the Spirit to work within us, the Spirit helps us to pray according to God's will. And sometimes that might be prayer in tongues where the the Holy Spirit comes and we begin to be able to pray in that heavenly language. And he gives us, and we know that our spirit is connecting with God's spirit in his will. You know, prayer isn't a Christian wish list. God isn't a genie in a bottle. I mean... People are funny, and it's like, yes, we are, right? People, we, we, we kind of get into these things, and, and sometimes we, we pray that God will remove the consequences of our sin, even in the midst of, you know, things are happening, right? We, we pray, God, would you just do this? And God's not going to contradict himself or the principles of his word in answering prayer. I mean, it's contrary to God's nature to bless sin. And you're like, what do you mean? Like, what do you, what do you say in here, Pastor? Galatians 6, 7 says this, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. You're like, oh, I wish there were some things I could kind of like edit out of the Bible. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the spirit from the spirit will reap eternal life. 
You're like, well, what's that? Here, let me make it real practical. You guys will love this one. For example, it is pointless to pray to God that you don't get a speeding ticket as you pull over to the side of the road and you hear the gravel under the tires with the lights flashing behind you. As a police officer walks up to that window, knocks on the window, you put down the window and says, can I see your driver's license and registration? Not that it's ever happened to me because I wouldn't know. But to pray at that point, to pray at that point, oh God, I just pray I don't get a ticket. It's sowing and reaping. Is God going to answer that prayer? I mean, that's running. You've just broken the law. Why wouldn't you get a ticket? Why would you pray that you wouldn't get a ticket? Because you've just, right? It's like, okay, well, that's a funny one. How about this? <laughs> Praying that God will help you pass your exams when you are up the night before playing video games instead of studying is denying God's basic principles of sowing and reaping. Okay, just throwing it out there. You can pray for divine inspiration as you write your exam, but God does crazy things, but let's just, sowing and reaping, right? Sowing and reaping, that is kind of praying to rescue me out of the consequences of what I'm doing. It's no point in asking God to bless your finances if you're not honoring God with your resources by tithing and living within your means. Oh, pastor, you're just meddling now. Get on talking about prayer, all right? Keep moving on, moving on, moving on. Right? Sometimes we pray these prayers, and they're heartfelt prayers, and we mean it, but it's like when you think about it, um, maybe this doesn't quite make as much sense. But I'm not saying, even in that, like, there's a bit of humor to that, but there's a lot of truth in it. I'm not saying to stop praying when we find ourselves in a crisis. That's not what I'm saying. Even if we created the crisis ourselves, okay? Even, even if that's the case, we don't stop praying that. Because James, as I was reading before, James goes on in the very next chapter, in James chapter 5, and he says, Is any of you in trouble? He should pray. I mean, when we find ourselves in a situation where we're in trouble, it's like, oh, I'm in trouble. We should pray. Any crisis is an occasion for prayer. But I think we look, need to look at, at how and what we're praying. Now, you might be wondering, it's like I'm kind of like oscillating back and forth between whether we should pray whether we, and all this. If we don't get what we want, if we don't automatically get what we want, what's, what's the point of prayer? Like if, if, it's, if sometimes we're going to get an answer and sometimes we're not going to get an answer or sometimes that's what it seems like and sometimes we pray and we're not sure if it's according to God's will. It's like, what's... What's the point of praying if something's going to happen a certain way anyway? And we could become kind of fatalistic. You know, whatever will be, will be. We just kind of leave it to fate. I don't believe that that's what prayer is like. Prayer is not just succumbing to fate. God calls us to pray. He wants us to pray. In fact, he even, I believe he even wants us to pour out our desires to him. And they may not be perfect, Right? Our desires may not even align with his will, but he still wants us to engage with that honest, open, heartfelt connection with him where we pour out our hearts to, to God. I'm going to give you a, a very airtight example of that. I mean, this is like the ultimate example of that. It's Jesus and the way Jesus prayed. And I'm so thankful that this is in the Bible. On the night that Jesus was betrayed by Judas, one of his own, one of his 12, 
one of his closest people. He was about to be destroyed, betrayed, and he knew it. He knew, he knew he was about to be betrayed. And so he takes his, his closest, and he goes to the garden. And this, this is a crisis beyond what any of us would want to face. This is a crisis moment. And we read it in Matthew chapter 26. And this is a story before Jesus' crucifixion. This is just as he's about to be betrayed by Judas. This is a crisis. He said to them, My soul is overwhelmed with sorrow to the point of death. This is Jesus speaking to his, his closest. And he says, Stay here and keep watch with me. He's in the Garden of Gethsemane. He says, Just keep watch with me. Going on a little further, he fell to his face to the ground and he prayed, My father, God, if it's possible, please may this cup be taken from me. Jesus is praying, God, if there's any other way, God, if it's possible, what's about to happen, change it. Jesus is on his face, son of God, and he's saying, God, Please change your mind. But then he says, But not my will, but as you will. Then he returned to his disciples and he found them sleeping. And you might think, well, maybe that's just a weak moment. Right? He he prayed that prayer in a weak moment. He returns to his disciples and he finds them sleeping. He says, Could you men not keep watch with me just for an hour? And then he says, Watch and pray. Watch and pray so that you will not fall into temptation. The spirit's willing, but the body is weak. Then he went away a second time. And he does alter his prayer just a little bit. He goes back a second time and he says, My father, if it's not possible for this cup to be taken from me unless I drink it, may your will be done. It's like, All right, God, if this can't change, your will be done. He came back, and again, he found them sleeping, and he says, well, he didn't even bother to wake them up this time. He just goes back. He left them, and he went away once more, third time, prayed the same prayer, saying the same thing. That's that's pretty powerful stuff when you realize it. Prayer. Prayer is so essential in that time of crisis that we connect with God even in our lowest point and we allow God to minister to us in that. But in that moment, there's something that's going on. I mean, we need to realize that prayer is not some kind of a shopping list that we present to God. We, we can come to him honestly. We can lay our hearts bare before him and we can openly pour out ourselves to him and make our desires known. We need, to, we need to be able to do that. And then we recognize that there are times when the answer is not what we initially requested. Sometimes that's difficult. Jesus declared, Jesus declared, not my will but yours, God. So if Jesus, the Son of God, can declare, not my will but yours, it's probably realistic to think that probably that would be something that we could pray as well. Not my will but yours, O Lord. And in that I mean, Jesus' declaration 
he was really submitting his will to God's will, but there was, there was a strength in that. There was an alignment that came. When he, and that's hard. That's difficult. But there was an alignment there. I mean, God does miracles. God does interrupt his natural laws at times. and He multiplies bread and fish, or he calms a storm, or he heals the leper, or he raises the dead. And God moves in response to prayer. He saves, he provides, he brings comfort, he restores. He wants us to pray. He wants us to cry out to him. I love this Old Testament scripture regarding the nation of Israel. It's talking about prayer in 2 Chronicles chapter 7. And, and, and it's, it's this great description of, of God replying to Solomon when Solomon had built the temple. And there's this interchange that's happening really on a national level because Solomon was the king and this was between God and the nation of Israel. And it says in, in 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 11, it says, When Solomon had finished the temple of the Lord and the royal palace, and he succeeded in carrying out all that he had mind to do in the temple of the Lord and in his own palace, the Lord appeared to him at night and said, I love this, I've heard your prayer, and I have chosen this place for myself as a temple for sacrifices. Paul, not Paul, Solomon was building, preparing, doing everything he could to make this temple ready for God. But he was also praying. He was working with everything that was in him. He was using the resources that were before him. But he was praying and praying. And God said, I've heard your prayer, Solomon. I've heard your prayer. And this temple, I'm accepting this temple. And, and in the Old Testament, where they worshipped mattered. The place, like the fact that it was the temple of God and that's where they worship, because all these different places around where they were worshiping in the high places and all these shrines all over the place, where you worshiped determined who you worshiped. So this is important. God is saying, no, this is where you worship the one true God. And he says to them in 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles chapter 7, verse 13, when I shut up the heavens so that there's no rain, or I command locusts to devour the land or spread a plague among my people. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear them from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Now my eyes will be open and my ears attentive to the prayers offered in this place, the prayers offered to me. I'm going to ask the worship team to come back. God is giving the nation of Israel an invitation. He's saying, guys, you've built this beautiful temple. Okay, I'm good. Let's do that. Like, I will accept this temple as a place of worship. I will meet with you here. And the invitation is this. If you cry out to me, and me alone, if your prayer is to me, God, the God of Israel, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, if you pray to me in this place, I will hear you. And I believe that that invitation stands for us today because I believe that we are his people. We are called by his name. We are Christians. Christians, like Christ, little Christs. We are, his name is upon us. We are people called by his name. We are Christ followers. 
And I absolutely believe that if we will humble ourselves and we will pray and we will seek his face and we will repent, then he will hear from heaven and will forgive our sin and will heal our land. See, that's a promise. That's, that's a prayer promise where God's saying, he's like, if you humble yourself, if you allow yourself to be humbled and come in, in, in an authentic way to me, if you, if you will pray, if you will seek me, like seek me with all your heart, then I will receive you. I will answer your prayer. And I, I will, and you come when you repent, I will hear you from heaven and I will heal your land. I mean, we've, we've heard this before, right? This isn't new. And it's like, we've heard this scripture. If you're in church circles, you've probably heard it a hundred times. But I want to remind us here this morning that we live in a community in desperate need of healing. We, we live in a city in desperate need of healing. We, we live in an area, in a, in a district, in desperate need of healing. Our land needs healing. And we as a community of faith are called and commissioned to, to bring the gospel of Jesus Christ to the heart of our city. Like just right to the right to the guts of where the city ticks. And that's what we've been called into. To carry that message of hope into that. We cannot do that without prayer. We cannot do that without the power of God within us. We cannot do that without the Spirit working through us. We cannot do that without God healing our land. And I'm gonna get into this as we continue this series. It's like prayer is not a place to hide. Prayer, we do that. Prayer is preparation. Prayer is empowerment. Prayer is like we walk in prayer. But everywhere I read, especially in the New Testament, there's prayer and action. It's like they pray in the place they were shaken and out they went. They pray, the Holy Spirit fell, and, and, and they go and they preach, and thousands are added to the church. That day. It's like there's this prayer release, prayer release, and we need to walk in that. But it's like it starts with prayer. It really does. It starts with prayer. There's that sense that, that that mandate that we have. We desperately need God to hear from heaven and forgive us and heal our land, to heal our brokenness, ah, to dispel the darkness, to bring life, to breathe his power and his presence into our community. And as we continue to go on through this series and we and we dive into the Lord's Prayer and see how that applies to this and and we look at this, this discipline of fasting and how it can release things in our lives and how we can, can kind of look at that and this, this whole concept of prayer and action and, and praying, getting on our knees and seeking the face of God and then walking in obedience to what he says to us. To go with, with that sense that we are called, we are commissioned, we are, God goes before us, he works within us, but to have that sense of that, that concert of prayer. And I believe we need more of that in our lives, in our groups, in our services. Like, Let's stand together. Let's stand right now. And, and we're going to go into a time of worship. And it's like, I'm excited about that. But, but right now, I'm going to lead us in a prayer. But can this be a corporate prayer? 
that, that as I lead, that we, we pray together and we engage that it's not the professional pastor at the front that's praying, but there's this sense that we're a community of faith and, and, and we're going to lift our voices and we're going to believe together that God hears our prayer, that he's, he's stirring something in our hearts for our lives, for our city. Can we do that together? God, we thank you for the gift of prayer. God, we thank you that we can come to you. We can humbly bow before the creator of the universe as your children accepted in Christ. We can come with confidence boldly to the throne of grace and we can say, God, help us. God, come. God, fulfill your plans and purposes in us. Lord, forgive us. God, forgive us when we've been complacent. Forgive us when we've hidden in prayer. Forgive us when we've, we've heard, but we have not obeyed. Where we've been in that place where we know what we should have done and we haven't. And God, we don't live in condemnation. But Lord, we come and we say, Lord, forgive us. Lord, forgive us. And you have promised that when we come to you humbly before your throne, that you will hear us. You will hear us from heaven. And you will come and you will heal us. And you will heal our land. So Lord, I pray that you will release over our city. Lord, the power of prayer, the power of faith, that you would bring hope, you would bring life, you would bring deliverance, you would bring transformation. And God, you would fill your people with the power of your Holy Spirit, empowered to walk in faith, walk in the power and the authority of Jesus Christ under the anointing of the Holy Spirit to our schools, to our workplaces, into our community where we gather, into different community events, in the different places where, where the community gathers, in our homes, on our street, in our apartment buildings, God, that we would carry that as we go from this place. God, we need you desperately. God, we need you to heal our land. We can't do it in ourselves. But God, we believe you have called us. You have commissioned us. You have set us apart for such a time as this to carry the truth of the gospel to the heart of our city and to the world. God, stir something up within us that cannot be quenched. Stir something up within us that's not going to last for five minutes and then peter out. But God, that there's a fire in our bones that we will not deny, that we cannot deny, that we'll get together, that we'll spur one another on. We'll just, like, out of the blue, we'll say, hey, hey, can we get together and have coffee or something? And we will inspire one another in the word and in prayer and believe for lost loved ones, for family members, for people we do life with every day. God, transform our city. We offer ourselves to see that happen. Whatever capacity you want to see it done. In Jesus' name, amen.